of, uh, of First Timothy today. Uh, excited about uh, what the Lord has prepared, uh, and and uh, any similarities. I'll just disclaimer: any similarities between this message and Sam's message are purely coincidental. Uh, we did not coordinate uh, any any of it. Uh, and when I say that, I think you'll understand in just just a moment. So, um, first things first. Uh, you know, we need to. You know, the passage we're looking at is we're only going to get through one verse today in First Timothy three. This is a true saying: if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire the good work. And but but really because we're starting a new chapter, I like to go back and look at the previous chapter and just kind of sum sum it up, make sure we're all on the same page. I don't believe this part is on your notes. Um, this part is? Oh, the verses, the verse uh, comparisons, you're right. The verse comparisons are, uh, but not the not all the detail. Yeah. So um, from the last two, uh, uh, oh, no, this is, I'm sorry. Let me back up. So the part I'm getting ready to tell you isn't on your notes. So the last two chapters, first we had an understanding of the past, present, and future uh, of, of what Paul was, who he was at that point, and where he saw himself going. We saw uh, what to do, what not to do, and how to do it. We saw the law as the gospel's forerunner. We saw blessings from Christ and what we were before, what he extended to us or gave to us, and what he deserves in return. Uh, we saw the elements needed for a good warfare with a focus on the good conscience, if you remember that. And then uh, when we moved into chapter 2, the types of prayer, the mediator we have in Christ, the model of worship and modesty, uh, letting women learn in the church, uh, yet understanding the authority structure and why the authority structure uh, works. And so part of what I want to do, and, and this is like uh, we just debated is on your notes. So the contrast <laughs> continues in chapter 3. The contrast continues. If you'll notice, he says, if a man, does, if a man so now the, the contrast or the, the focus is back on, a, on the guy, right? Because just in the previous chapter, we had just been spending time on, on the woman, right? So we, we need to look at these contrasts. This is a pattern of the way, one of the ways Paul teaches. He likes to contrast things. We see that in the book of Proverbs, very, uh, you know, very tangible wisdom books, very practical ministry books, often show contrasts, often show do this, don't do this. It's, it's multiplicative in the sense that you get not just what you should do, but what you should stay away from. It helps you on both sides of it. So he says, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions, but rather godly edifying which is in faith, so do. In verse 5, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned, from some, or from which some have swerved and have turned aside unto vain jangling. So it's not necessarily always good or bad first, it's just the contrast, right? I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, right? So he was a sinner, but he obtained mercy. <coughs> in, chapter, in chapter 2 and verse 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, gold or pearls or costly array. In verse 11, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach or nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. 
the woman was being deceived in the transgression, but notwithstanding, she'll be saved. So Paul, or yeah, Paul and his communication to Timothy is all about the contrast. So just as we wrapped up chapter three and we move into chapter, or I'm sorry, wrapped up chapter two and move into chapter three, it's a continuation. So I've got a question for you. Does anybody know what happened in the year 1557 that's relative to this passage? No. Anybody? chapter and verse designations in your Bible. Oh, yeah. Okay? They have not always been there. You, so it's real, it's real convenient. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's, it's a good convenient to have a Bible reading program or, you know, a, a, a plan. Well, you're going to read this many chapters a day. Well, you may actually end on a thought <laughs> that continues the next day, right? And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he just got done talking about women not usurping authority but he talks and goes directly into chapter three if a man desires the office of a bishop right it's that contrast it's a continuation so don't let the chapter and verse designations the numbers in your in your bible kind of mess you up they're meant to be to help you get to places quicker they're meant to it, it, you know psalms are different they're unique and distinct songs uh, or, or psalms, but but other than that, chapter designations in scripture are really just to help us get to find scripture to break it down. Uh, again, conveniently or practically uh, is is the best way. So, with the limitation of of authority that was on one end, women can't are not to usurp authority over the man. They're to be silent with the purpose of pastoring. We need to create the authority. And the premise, the requirements of authority for those who are going to be in authority, right? It's not just all men. Brandon, he just uh, uh, came in, so he might need it. So, so when we look at 1 Timothy 2, when it, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority, not to teach authoritatively or to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. So it's not just any male, he has to meet the criteria, right? So he has shown the contrast, it's not women, of men, but it's not all men, right? It's going to have some limitations, right? It's going to have some limitations. And so this is next week and thereafter's messages, right? These are the qualifications that appear in the next few verses, right? A blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, uh, of good behavior, right? Uh, given to hospitality, um, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his own house well, having his children in subjection, because if he can't rule your own house well, how are you going to take care of the church of God? Not a novice, unless they be lifted up in, with, with pride, right? Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are with, without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Is this a comprehensive list? Well, relative to the qualifications, it is, but there's one part here that's kind of missing. And, and, and so I can't tell you, and, and I guess what I mean by that is, so many times I have heard messages taught starting about the office of a bishop 
and they start in verse 2 with the qualifications. But the qualifications actually start in first one, verse 1, and the first qualification is... Dang it. That was supposed to connect. Desire. Desire. Rattle and hum. 1988, right? Now the song's going to be stuck in your head like it was stuck in my head. It was supposed to be it connected. I don't know if it connected to your phone, but it connected, but it didn't play. So I apologize for the failure of my Bluetooth capabilities. But desire, right? I'm off the streets, going to go where the bright lights and the big city meet with the red guitar on fire. Desire. This is the similarity to Sam's message that I was disclaiming. She's the dollar. She's my protection. Yeah, she's a promise in the year of election. I thought that was very telling. Oh, sister, I can't let you go like a preacher stealing hearts in a traveling show for the love of money, 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 money. Right? Desire is an incredible driver. Right? And I got to pose the question to you. Is desire a bad thing or a good thing? And the answer is yes. <laughs> the, the, the answer is both. And so we're going to spend some time looking at desire because the very first qualification for a bishop, and I would argue for any man or woman of God to truly serve the Lord, there needs to be a desire. Okay? A desire. Because if you don't have the desire, you're going to be on the spiritual couch, right? You're not going to be in the game. So we're going to spend some time looking at desire today. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a a good work. This first qualification is is desire. Now, I just had to share. This is like you get this for free, no extra charge. (laughs) This is a still from the video Desire by U2. If you reject Jesus, your soul and flesh will burn in hellfire forever. That is a, a moment. Uh, most, some of you may know that you two claims to be, uh, they, they claim to be believers. Uh, but the, 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 whole, the whole video, I, I'm assuming it's New York, and they're kind of walking on the streets and stuff. And evidently, this car with SMT288 license plate was there, and it was incorporated in the video. And I just thought it was kind of... It was kind of interesting that they would have included that specifically in their video. But um, but desire, and we're going to look at some biblical examples. So the words that are there that, um, that look like another language are, in fact, another language. Um, so they are, most of, all of these that we're going to look at are Hebrew uh, today. But um, this first one, Tesukwa. I think is how you say it is like desire, longing, craving. Those are some of the uh, the pseudonyms for or the other ways it's translated. Uh, look at look at the verses uh, that use this word. Genesis three sixteen. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and thy conception. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. In thy desire, what you what you follow, what you long, what you crave for, your desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee, right? Uh, Genesis 4, 7, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall his shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So this, in, in these cases, there's, you know, it, this is tied to the, to the curse for women, right? And this is tied to, to, to the chastisement. 
of Cain. Like, that's kind of a negative connotation. The first time the word desire, first two times the word desire appears in your King James Bible, it's got a negative connotation, if you will. Uh, But look at the contrast in Psalm 710. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Right? It's very appropriate for a married couple to have desire one toward another, Uh, not just sexually, but also for needs and and other aspects of, of the relationship. If we look at, at, at Bacchus, again, I, I just run with it. I think we're close. Um, but it's to seek, pursue, or ask, right? So now I desire something. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to go after it. Or when I get to the point, I, I want it enough that I'm going to ask for it. And I look at Exodus 10:11. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord. For that ye did, uh, for that ye did desire, right? So, so uh, Pharaoh is talking to Moses, and he's like, "Go serve the Lord. That's what you want to do, right? That's a that's a legitimate, positive uh, desire designation, right? If we if we continue in this in this uh, kind of thread, Hamad is to covet, which obviously is a negative connotation, but to take pleasure in or delight. So. Notice back in Genesis again, early uh, designation. Uh, so this is actually the first, uh, the the first use. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit. So it's interesting that God's curse on the woman, in fact, plays off of her inability to control her desire. Right. Uh, for for the tree in Deuteronomy 5:21, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, because intrinsically in humans, and specifically talking to men here, there's going to be times of desire of things that are not yours to covet that which is not yours, right? But look at the contrast or the balance in Psalm 19, and there's hundreds of times these words. In some cases, these words. Uh, appear in scripture so this is obviously just a, a snippet but more to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb to to be with god to 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 get a connection with his word right more to be desired are they so desire isn't always a negative connotation right you can have pleasure or longing for something and king solomon gave unto the queen of sheba all her desire Maybe, I guess you could possibly put it in the category of sin, but not necessarily. You know, I mean, the whole, the whole concept of the, the profession of hospitality really kind of works around this. If you go stay at a hotel or you go out and eat today at, at lunch, they're going to try to, within reason, meet your desires. Right? They're going to, can I get you some more water? Do you want bread? Do you want butter? I don't, I don't know why I want bread and butter all of a sudden. But do you want, do you want, you know, can I get you something to drink? Are you ready for dessert? Right? Whatever the case may be. Do you want another oatmeal cream pie? Yes. Um, so they're going to try to meet what it is that you desire. That isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can actually be kind of a neutral thing even. So we've seen it kind of be bad, but we've also seen it kind of be good, and, and we see it, uh, see it neutral. And I don't love doing what I'm going to do in the next uh, passage or next slide because uh, I, I, I do it when I study, but 
it's easy just to pull up the definition of a word. We all, all, you know, a lot of teachers of the Bible do it. But, but I thought this is interesting. This is from the Webster's 1828. So yeah. the usage of English is a little different today than in 1600 when it was translated, or even 1828. And the Webster's 1828 dictionary is a a, a website you should probably have thumbnailed. Is that what? Oh, no. no. Bookmarked, bookmarked. Am I hashtagging? Um, <laughs> some of you get the joke, right? The 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 commercial with the I'm not gonna help you be your I'm gonna help you not be your parents. Yeah. I, am I hashtagging? If you printed out directions to be here, you're in the right place. Um, do we really need a sign that tells us to live, laugh, love? No, we do not. Um, so, so, but the Webster's 1828, we'll get this train back on the track. This Webster's 1828 is closer in proximity to time to the 1611, so you can pull out some nuance relative to definitions sometimes. So, but, but this is actually pretty consistent with what we think of, an emotion or excitement of the mind directed to the attainment or possession. So it's, sometimes it's the getting it as compared to having it, right, of an object from which pleasure, sensual, intellectual, or spiritual, right? So sensual can just be your body. One of the things that I didn't include is, t- by definition, an appetite is a desire. You desire to eat, right? Um, that's expected. A passion uh, excited by the love of an object or an uneasiness at the want of it. I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, when you want something, it can create an uneasiness inside of you. Again, that could be bad. That could be good, right? I mean, the the uneasiness about the, I mean, a young man asking a girl out on a date is sometimes very uneasy but it can be very quote pure it can you know it doesn't have to be inappropriate right and directed to its attainment or possession a wish to possess some gratification or source of happiness which is supposed to be obtainable or alternatively not attainable so it's it's just kind of interesting that desire will will motivate us right that's the the noun desire the the desire that we have the verb, the transitive verb, is like to desire, right? To wish for the possession or enjoyment of with a greater or less degree of earnestness to, to covet. It expresses a less strength of affection than longing. To express a wish to obtain, to ask, to request, to position, to or to petition or to require. So in other languages, desire is expressed by longing more. We, we, I feel like desires kind of become watered down. Maybe it was because of 1988 and Rattle and Hum. I don't know. But, but, but it's, it's less, we've kind of tampered it, right? But it, it's, it's this kind of concept in us that, that longs. And when it's, it can be intense. It can be very, very intense. And, and in English, those, this word desire is, again, kind of, kind of, uh, 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 you know, minimize for lack of a better term, but by its sheer nature, and we've touched on it, it's desiring something that you don't have. Okay? Again, maybe good or bad. It's desiring something you don't have at, the, at that moment, and it's actually under someone else's control. That's the interesting thing. 
it's under someone else's control. And you say, well, not always. I mean, the food sitting on the table may not always be under someone else's control. And I just did something with my screen that I didn't, I don't know what to do with. Try that. There we go. It's under someone else's control. At the very least, it's under God's control. At the very least. If there's a pie sitting there on the table, you say, well, that's not under anybody's control. Well, somebody made it. And what do we almost always do? Can I, can I have some of this? Right? Right? Is this, is this for me? Is this okay if I, if I have a piece or whatever the situation is? Right? So it's un- generally under someone else's control. Not, maybe not always. But it's, and, and so we have to balance... Our desire for something that's under someone else's control. And literally all of this comes back to this desire that a minister should have for the work of the Lord. We should have a desire to serve him. Right? So I I did a graphic. You guys know I think, uh, you know, I I tend to like graphics. But this concept of desire is, is kind of portrayed in all of these words. And I th- again, we kind of minimize the value of it, but it's, it's the pursuit, it's the request, it's to actually seek it. Pursuit's a little different than seek. Seeking is something, you know, maybe where you don't know where it is, where the pursue is I'm going after it. Uh, craving, longing, pleasure, covet, all of these concepts surround this word desire. And, and you know, spoiler alert, do you do these things or some version of these things for the ministry? Do you desire the ministry? Do you pursue the ministry or the Lord of the ministry? Do you seek involvement? Do you covet, if you will, the the being part of the ministry, right? So this is all this content. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire the good work. This is a good, good thing. So desire can be good. It, It can even be great. Right? It can even be just amazing. Great. Proverbs 11.23, the desire of the righteous is only good. The desire of the righteous, he's gonna, he or she is going to set their mind on righteousness, and thus they're going to align their desires. Through, and, and continuing 18, 18 verse 1, through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So desire that is controlled separates himself. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to do this purposefully. He's going to seek and intermeddle or, or dwell with or, or, or bathe in, if you will, all wisdom. Proverbs 19.22, the desire of a man is his kindness. These are very complimentary, very good characteristics to have when we jump into the new testament mark uh, eleven twenty four. therefore i say unto you whatsoever things ye desire when ye pray believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them i mean jesus in his teaching is basically saying it's okay to desire to petition to ask to seek those things of the lord it's okay to have a reasonable desire Luke twenty two fifteen, and he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you all before I suffer. Even Jesus himself ed, um, expressed his personal desire. And what was that? A very intimate fellowship with his followers before he suffered. 
Romans 10, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, is that they might be saved. It's really, really appropriate for your desire, for you to desire people to be saved, to have a relationship with the Lord. Follow not, or follow, excuse me, follow after charity and desire, um, oh, sorry, I need to advance here. Um, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Like, it's okay to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to, to do uh, things in my life. Give me spiritual gifts so that I can minister. Not because I desire a gift. You know, it's not the same passage. But not just because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that I may that may abound to your account. Colossians 1.9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul is addressing that he, he himself desires their edification, their growth and knowledge. You know, and, and knowledge gets a bad rap, right? We always want to say, well, knowledge puffeth up. Well, Paul was specifically praying that they would have knowledge, but that they would have it in his will with wisdom and spiritual understanding, right? So it is balanced. It's not knowledge for the purpose of knowledge. It's knowledge for the purpose of ministry, right? I mean, that's a key key component of LFBI. We don't just back up the, the dump truck of knowledge and just sprinkle it on you like... like uh, it's a horrible example, like Biff and Back to the Future, right? Anybody remember that, right? I mean, what happens to Biff? He hits every, it's like in every episode, right? He hits the thing and then the manure falls. Like, we don't do that. That's not how... I know Teresa's like, really? I'm sitting under this... Uh, it's not like that. We don't just back up the LFBI knowledge truck and dump it on you. We're giving it to you in ways that you can execute it within his will with wisdom and that spiritual understanding. In Hebrews 6.11, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. That was his desire unto the end. And then 1 Peter 2.2, 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. I mean, have you ever seen a baby's toes curl when they get a bottle? <laughs> like, they're so happy. I mean, just like, uh. but there was a video I was going to show Michelle, and Michelle was going to show me, and we just happened to talk about it. Uh, it's bouncing around the goats getting fed. Has anybody seen the where the guy brings out all the little baby goats and he sets all these bottles up in this little contraption and all the goats walk up and they start eating the bottle and their tails are just going. <laughs> they're so happy. I'm getting fed. Like literally that desire, that appetite is what we need to have for the word of the Lord. Right? So I would encourage you to go back to some degree, I would encourage you to go back and, and check out my message. That feels a little weird. To, on Sunday, March 1st, 2020, and I've added BP before pandemic. So it was one of the last messages. Uh, most of you don't even remember that happened. So I preached on March 1st, and I think it was the next week or, or shortly thereafter, maybe Sam preached one more week that we went on lockdown. But I did a message on matters of the heart. And I showed the contrast of the bad heart, which again, we always say the heart is desperately wicked, but it's balanced with the fact that the Lord cleans our heart, gives us a new heart, and allows us to have, just like we have 
bad desires in the flesh, right? We can have good desires in our ministry, right? So it's, it is a balance, right? So, so I've got this chart up here, right? You have on this, on this column, a defiled heart or a defiled purpose, a pure heart or pure purpose. Here you have a bad thing that's being desired. Here you have a good thing that's being desired. But what happens is, as defined by scripture, the defiled and pure heart, or the good or bad thing, there's only one of them that's right, okay? So you can put whatever you want in those boxes, but I can't, whether I, ha I mean, a defiled heart and a bad thing, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a duh, right? That's people that aren't here today that are going out and pursuing or last night or whatever, they're doing 100% the wrong thing. There's some people that will come and they will express a pure heart, but the bad thing is desired. And this is part of what Paul is addressing in chapter two with women. Women that want to lead, pastor authoritatively, not, not just have, be a shepherd, not just have a shepherd's heart and minister among the church, but they want to lead. They may have a pure heart, but it's out of bounds. Okay, it's a bad thing, if you will, defined by scripture. You can't, that's, you can't call God's blessing down on that. That's a, still a bad desire. I mean, the marriage bed is undefiled, except when it's not your marriage bed. Like, mm -hmm. like it, you can't, no matter how pure, no matter how love, how in love people are in counseling and <laughs> but I just love her so much but what about your wife well I don't love her anymore <laughs> like I don't care how pure your heart is that's actually over here as defined by right. scripture but it doesn't matter how pure you're convinced your heart is right the only thing that lines up is the pure heart and pure purpose as defined by scripture or the good thing as defined by scripture that's the only situation where the desire can be fulfilled, okay? And we just saw that in those examples, right? You, you filled in some blanks. You have maybe some bold letter. You know, it, the desire of the righteous is good. The, uh, through, de through a desire, a man intermeddleth with wisdom, his kindness, praying and believing, you know, Jesus wanting to, to fellowship or eat the Passover before that the people might be saved or spiritual gifts or fruit, knowledge to be able to, to minister, the full assurance of hope or the, the sincere milk of the word, all those things fall into this box because you can have them with a, you can approach them with a pure heart and purpose and you can desire them, Right? So this brings us to, yes, our first discipleship question or discipleship decision of the day. What do you, do you really desire and where does your desire come from? So when you desire, and I'm, I'm going to be very transparent, there's been times in my life, see, I guess I'll call them seasons or events. They're not, they're not prolonged, but where ministering was more important than serving the Lord. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, but being around God, God's people or doing the work of the Lord rather than doing it for the Lord was important. And it was a driver for me. 
and it was actually a bad desire. It was actually, but I, I think I was approaching it with a pure heart, but God had to bring me through that and say, Mitch, no, you're, you're the, the thing that you want, you, you really enjoy doing that. Not that you can't enjoy ministry, but, but you're doing that because you enjoy it, not because you're doing it for me. Or you're doing it because you want to be with those people, not because you're doing it for me. Or you're doing it because you enjoy teaching, not because you're doing it for me, right? And so we have to be real, real careful. What do you really desire and where does that desire come from? And you need to check that. That is a discipleship decision. That's a path or this guide to spiritual maturity that, that Paul is checking with, with Timothy. And he's saying, look, the very first qualification is he has to desire a good work. He has to desire a good work. So it brings us back to our verse. I think I put it, yeah. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Well, there's another key word here beyond desire, and that's work. And it's going to be work. It's going to be some sleepless nights. It's going to be up late. It's going to be uh, earlier. Or it's going to be missing out on, a, on an event Maybe even something that's fairly important to your family, although you have to keep that in balance. You shouldn't be an absent parent, right? But there are times when I've had to choose ministry and service to the Lord over my wife or over my kids. I don't do it all the time, but it's, it's an effort. It's work. It's sacrifice. Ephesians 4, 13, 11 through 13, look at this. He gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Like, even Sam's point this morning, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? I could have put that in here. What happens on a Sunday morning doesn't just fall into place. Like, it doesn't just just people show up and they just don't start talking about about the Lord or they don't just start uh, what song are we doing? Okay, we're just going to start pl- playing. There's practice that goes into that. It's work. There's preparation. There's prayer. I mean, we're, we're it's it's budget season for the, for the church. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into that to make sure it's right. To make sure we're accountable for, before God and, and before the government. And there's work that goes into these things. I, it, it's not. I remember years ago, I was interacting with with someone I I, I love dearly, and we were talking about you know maybe someday me being a pastor and, and and working for the church, and I remember him saying something to the effect of that it would be an easy job. Now compared to what he was doing physically, it would be an easy job, like. Like, I wouldn't bust my knuckles, right? I wouldn't hurt my back, so to speak. Hopefully the only thing hurting is your knees in prayer. But but it wasn't, his perspective was that it was easy work because he didn't understand the type of work or the extent of work that went into it. Um, Michelle was even sharing with me a, a story about a young man who at another church, another place, you know, young man wanted to be baptized, and the pastor, the pastor of this church, Bible-believing church, looked at this young man and his parents and said, it's a lot of work to put the baptistry up. Wow. We're going to wait. 
Like, what? Get to work, bro. Put the baptistry up. I'll drive to your church and put it up so this young man can follow the Lord. Seriously? We all have our, our work to do. We, Every one of us that are in ministry have our work to do, right? This isn't just about the minister, quote the pastor, the bishop, but let every man prove his own work. And then he shall have rejoicing in himself and not in another. Like this is, this is tied to your spiritual gifts. This is tied to the work that you do for the Lord. It drives fruit bearing. Galatians, or I'm sorry, Colossians 1.10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Like, I definitely, Michelle knows this about me, I enjoy, I'm a kind of a DIYer. And I do stuff around the house. And I do love the moment when I step back and a project is done. It doesn't happen very often. But I do step back and I look at it and it's like, Nice. It's done. Yeah. It's done. It's fruitful. It's it's fruitful and it's like it's accomplished. The work is done on that project. It's it's now going to serve its purpose. And and I'm just gonna be honest, there are times in ministry where it's the same thing. Where I look back and I and I'm I step back rather and I look at somebody and they're ministering a certain way, maybe somebody I discipled or I invested in or I I taught or, right? And they're now ministering and I'm like, yeah, that's the stuff. And it's the work, so it drives fruit, it it is work. We have our own work and it drives fruit bearing, but look at this. It's work with the Lord and ultimately what you're judged for. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, uh, 9 and 12 through 15, for we are laborers, together with God. You literally get the, I was going to do that, the picture, I think it's of Kansas City. It's this kind of a, a art deco thing of Kansas City. I don't know if you've seen it where the guy's rolling up his sleeves. I, I meant to actually, I meant to actually grab that. It's a great kind of iconic image of work. And, um, but we get the opportunity. We're like dig, digging spiritual ditches and we're laying spiritual foundations and we're building a spiritual building literally right next to the Lord, which I don't know if you've ever noticed, but he's he's pretty strong, and he does most of the work. And you just he'll be like, "Hey, hand me that wrench," and you'll hand him the wrench, and then he'll be like, "Bless the situation." You're like, "Wow, I was a part of that," just because you were a willing vessel, right? So we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. Now, if any man will build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Like I know I've been under teaching that says the judgment seat of Christ will be, will have to do with your motives, but that's not what this says at the judgment seat of Christ. The ministry we do, the work we will, there's obviously a motive part. We just talked about the desire, right? You can do it for the wrong reason. But the work, the type of work, and the motive is a type of work, the type of work is what's going to be judged. So if any man, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, what's the the foundation, right, of Christ, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, the wood, hay, or stubble, 
he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So is yet by fire. This isn't about your salvation. This is about what's going to last for eternity and what you invested in. We could also look at the work of faith in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. This isn't on your, on your page. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3 and, 1, and 2 Thessalonians 1, 11. The work of faith. We could look at the work of the evangelist in 2 Timothy 2, 4 to 5. We could, we could look at the work or labor of love in, in Hebrews 6, 10. There's all of these examples of the work that has to be done. So it brings us to our last discipleship question of the day or decision of the day. Kicking up your feet is not an option in ministry. Are you still in? Are you still in? Or do you just like the warm fuzzies about ministry? If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Like desire, I mean, and that's the irony about the song, a little bit of, about the song, uh, uh, the U2 song about desire, because I don't know if you remember, but She's a promise in the year of election. It's not really, it's not substantive, right? It's like a preacher stealing hearts at a traveling show. It's not, it doesn't have a lasting effect, right? So this, this concept of desire alone is not sufficient. It has to be followed with the work. But the work is going to be hard, and that's why you need the desire. So I'm just going to throw it out to you, believer, are you ready to put your hand to the plow? Are you ready to say, the Lord is worth look, working alongside of? I think he is. I think he is. And it's going to look like work. It's going to feel like work. And there's going to be times when you're tired, physically or mentally or emotionally exhausted. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've walked out of meetings with folks and I thought, I am spent. I'm spent. It's work. But you know what? It's an eternal investment, literally. So I don't know where you're at in your decisions about ministry, whether it's something to be involved in in whole heart, and there are some opportunities. So if you if you have a desire to do more, we can we can talk about that. We can brainstorm about what that looks like. There's tons of ministry opportunities in this church. There's other ministry opportunities even outside this church that still align with our mission, right? That are a lot that align with our principles. You are not at a loss for opportunity. It comes to the to the to the fundamental issue of desire. And are you going to do it? And 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 look, if you don't have a desire, I'm just gonna be very blunt. If you don't have a desire, then you need to check your salvation. You need to check. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm saying you need to check your salvation, okay? Make sure of your salvation, because after all, you have to work out your salvation, don't you? So, so please, if you are not, if you have, if you find yourself having no desire to participate in the mission, if you find yourself having no real initiative to be a part of the solution, whatever that looks like, let's talk about that. Because I'm worried about your salvation, I'm not gonna, uns- I'm not gonna like try to get you lost, but let's talk about it because it's really important that you have a desire to serve the Lord. It's the first qualification for a bishop before all those other things, which we'll start talking about next week. Before all those other things, you have to have a desire. Let's pray, Lord. 